Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth, for God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, for as a father has mercy upon his children, so the Lord has mercy upon those who fear him, and as a mother comforts her child, so the Lord will comfort you. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Let us worship God. Let us pray. Eternal God, your love for us is everlasting, and you alone can turn the shadow of death into the brightness of the morning light. Help us this morning to turn to you with believing hearts, and in the stillness of this hour, speak to us of eternal things, so that hearing the promises of Scripture, we may have hope and be lifted above our grief into the light and peace of your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This morning we gather for many different reasons. We come first of all to express our sorrow. It was Phyllis Brooks who said that we do not want to lose our grief because our grief is bound up with our love and we could not cease to mourn without being robbed of our affections. So we're here to express our sorrow for one who was in many ways larger than life, <laughs> is no longer here, and he leaves behind a big space. And so we grieve his absence, and we are mindful of all the many ways by which he touched our lives, and we feel that very certain loss. We're also here to express 
uh, to receive comfort in the midst of our sorrow. We also receive comfort and we are gathered together with family, we are gathered together with friends, gathered together with the family of God. And we sense God's presence in our midst. We sense the spirit at work comforting us, reminding us always of God's presence in the midst of absence and reminding us always that we are gathered together with others who share that same love that we all had for Charlie. We're also here to give thanks because all good gifts come to us from the hands of a gracious God. And today we pause a year later after his passing to still give thanks, to give thanks for Charlie and for all that he did to touch our lives and to be a difference for us and to be a difference in the world and how he left his own very certain thumbprint upon us and upon the world. And so we give thanks to God for God is the author of every good and perfect gift and we rejoice in God's great creation. And then most of all, we come to rejoice because the promise of the gospel is that life does not end with death, that in Jesus Christ, we are assured of life eternal. And we rejoice today that our dear friend has gone on to a deep and abiding peace and communion with God. And he awaits us such that we will be reunited and that our love will be rekindled and that we will always know of the love and life that we share here and that we will share in the life to come. Thanks be to God. So let us turn to the reading of Holy Scripture, that through the word of Scripture we might be reminded of God's faithfulness and may sense God's comfort and be assured of the hope of the resurrection. These words that come to us from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And these words that come to us from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Gain have the workers from their toil. I have seen every business that God has given everyone to be busy with, and he has made everything suitable for its time. And these words from the Gospel of John, 
Jesus' words the night before his own death when he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. And then finally, these words from the book of Revelation, this great vision of the heavenly city. <clears throat> the apostle writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with people. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be crying, no crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. May the Lord bless to us an understanding of this, his holy word. I'd like to invite Beth and Kara Sachs and Elizabeth Slagle to come forward to share with us some Remembrances of Charlie. Hello, I'm Beth, the fourth daughter of Charlie and Shirley, and one of the twins. And I wanted to acknowledge my dad's hard work with something he left for his family and his future generations and ancestors that he left on paper, this 270-page memoir. <laughs> it includes stories and a lot of pictures. Dad was a true Sagittarius. Sagittarians, they like lots of adventures. They're talkative. They're philosophical. They love education and people. That was my dad, and they can also be opinionated. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna read just a couple of excerpts to give you an idea of his memoir. And on page 11, he writes, I remember my grandmother's funeral when I was five years old. The wake was held at their homestead in Loyal Hannah, 
Pennsylvania. Loyal Hannah was a small village in Derry Township, not far from Latrobe, Greensburg, or Ligonier. It was two bedrooms on about three acres with a deep well and a coal wood stove to cook on. It had a small parlor in addition to the kitchen. Of course, they had an outhouse. At the wake, at grandmother's wake, they ate and drank and were cheerful because the Slavic tradition was that her troubles were over. Conversely, the tradition was to be set sad when a baby was born because his troubles were just beginning. And then there's another excerpt on page 150 where dad writes, I spent three days at a sales and marketing management course at Ohio State and developed my epitaph, which was developed as a result of a course labeled Your Life Goal Inventory. The purpose was to set personal goals for career satisfaction, status, and respect, personal relationships, leisure, satisfaction, learning and education, spiritual growth and religion, and material rewards and possessions. Using the format the instructor had prepared, we detailed our hopes and dreams to try to direct our actions to fulfill these. In retrospect, it was a pretty interesting exercise. One assignment in the development course was using the following space to write as complete an obituary or eulogy as possible. This is what I wrote. Was recognized by family as a loving father and provider, was recognized by my wife as the best husband and friend she could ever possibly have had, was recognized by all who contacted me as an active and energetic individual even in old age, was recognized, admired, and respected by friends, associates, and peers as an outstanding and fair leader and developer of people with good humor, was recognized in business as a successful, outstanding manager. So that's just a little idea about this memoir. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Hi. I'm Kara, the youngest of the five daughters. And on behalf of all of us, we'd like to thank you for being here to honor our dad. So our dad, my dad, did everything he did with his family in mind. He was a very devoted husband, father, son, brother, and grandfather. Throughout his life, he was also committed, a committed and outstanding employee, boss, CEO, and volunteer. My dad grew up with very little. He began working as a paperboy at the age of six. He got up before sunrise and hand-delivered as many as 300 newspapers before the school day even started. He saved his money with the goal of one day going to college. After putting himself through Case Western Reserve in Ohio, he started a career as a chemical engineer. My dad worked his way up from a salesman to a manager and ultimately became a CEO. Above all else, my dad wanted to give his family the comfortable and secure life that he didn't have growing up. He did that for us in a beautiful way. 
If you knew my dad, you knew that he liked to ask a lot of questions. As a teenager, this habit of his annoyed me because I assumed he was meddling. As I got older, I realized that he asks questions because he was genuinely interested in what was going on in my life and what I had to say. He asked lots of questions to lots of people because he liked getting to know them. He took an interest in people's lives and always remembered what they told him. My dad wasn't overly demonstrative with his love, which was something that he regretted as he got older. Although I knew that he loved me very much, he didn't say the words very often. In recent years, he decided to change that. He started to close every conversation with, I love you. He thought, he knew that it was important to say it, so he did. He made decisions that way. Make a decision, commit to it, and then keep your commitment. He quit smoking after 20 years of a three-pack-a-day habit, cold turkey. One morning, he got up and he said, I quit smoking today. And that was it. He never picked up a cigarette again. He never talked about it. He never complained about it. He never complained about much of anything. He took everything that came to him in stride. My mom's challenging 15-year-long mental decline into Alzheimer's was something that he accepted. He called my mom his hobby and his best friend, instead of considering himself unfortunate and cheated out of his golden years. He was the same way with his messed up ankles and knees. He soldiered on despite the pain that he was in every day from them and the limitations that they caused him. My dad took pride in his appearance. It was important to him to take care of his health, keep himself in shape, and dress well. He did all of these things beautifully, and he expected everyone else to do the same. He couldn't quite grasp why everyone wouldn't want to look and feel their best. He was proud of his daughters and appreciated us for anything that we did for him. He always thanked me for visiting and bringing my kids to see him. He never expected it. He never made demands as a father. He didn't lay down rules and laws. He never really expected anything in return for his parenting and his support. He just appreciated us. He appreciated having a relationship with his family. He was grateful for that and he never took it for granted. My dad, Charles E. Sachs, taught me a lot. He taught me the importance of devotion and commitment to family, marriage, and career. He taught me to have appreciation instead of expectations. He taught me to be strong and independent. He taught me the importance of staying in good physical shape and taking pride in my appearance. He taught me to move forward and not give up despite challenges and discomfort. Dad taught me about commitment, appreciation, pride, and strength by the way that he lived his life and by the actions that he took. I feel extremely fortunate to have been raised by a strong and devoted father. I appreciate all of the sacrifices that he made for me. I'm grateful for the relationship that I had with my dad when he was alive, and being with him when he died was an honor and a privilege that I will always be grateful for. Although it's been a year since he's passed, I still feel his presence in everything that I do. Thank you. And Dad, I love you.
Hi, I'm a Elizabeth. I'm a family friend. And I'm going to read a few memories the girls asked me to jot down. The first time I met Charlie Sachs was the day of his beloved wife, Shirley's funeral, which was here in this church, actually. I was so impressed with how he and his children spoke about her. That service stuck in my memory as one of the sweetest, most poignant I had ever attended. Not long after that, Lori asked me, who's a really old friend of mine, asked me if I could be a part-time housekeeper slash companion a few afternoons a week for Charlie, and I guess I passed muster because I ended up at the Sachs home for about a year and a half and even a little longer, on and off. When you spend 30 hours a month with someone, you do get to know a little bit about them, and these are some of the fond thoughts I had about Charlie Sachs. Charlie was, an ele he was elegant in an old-school way. He was the kind of man who chose a lovely sport coat when going out or a nice cashmere sweater. He was a man who opened doors for ladies paid for the dinner, and if on a rare occasion he cursed, he did so apologetically. He was fussy about how he wanted things done. He could be impatient, demanding, and precise, but I respected this because with Charlie, you always knew what was expected of you, and if you passed the test of time, you were in as a friend. As proper as Charlie could be, he loved a good joke, especially a good limerick, and not only that, he openly appreciated a truly filthy limerick. Singing was something we both enjoyed. Charlie often reminisced about the past performances he had put on with his wife, Shirley. And when I would break into an old song, Charlie would happily join in and we would sing our hearts away. Charlie Sachs truly respected good business people, and especially salespeople, and it was with no small amount of pride that he would talk about the career he had built for himself and that so well supported his family. He openly and often expressed tremendous pride in each of his beautiful five daughters and their varying accomplishments in their respective spouses and their children. Never once did he show disappointment or say anything negative or disparaging against his daughters. Indeed, he took note of all their individual accomplishments, saving things they had written, photographs taken, promotions earned, and the like. It is well known among my friends that I possess the cooking and feeding gene. So I can tell you here, because I would say it to Charlie, he was the most boring eater I have ever prepared a meal for. Charlie was so happy with a Swanson TV dinner, or one of his favorites, wait for it, Spam and Eggs. And I would prepare these meals exactly as instructed, and I once remarked, Charlie, you are no lover of food. If I didn't know better, I'd say eating is actually a chore for you, and I bet if you could just take a pill instead of a meal, you would. And he looked up from the table with a sparkle in his eye. He got that little twinkle, and he said, that's exactly right. We would do the crossword together, and he always began it, and it was my job to bring up the rear, after which he would always remark, we're two half-wits, but together we make a whole wit. And then he'd giggle. Charlie. Sorry. Charlie was a gentleman to the core. He was literally a true gentleman in the style of his fraternity's creed, a creed he recited by heart and with some emotion, and which he followed his whole life. 
He had once, we had once planned for him to read this creed at a dinner party I hosted. He especially wanted the young people to hear it, but the dinner went another way. So I've made some copies, which I will leave with Lori. And if any of you would like to take one, I know he would really like that. I loved Charlie Sex. I missed him. I miss him now, and as I gaze out my window at the birds flitting at the feeder, he left me. I think about him every day. I'm not a good public speaker, sorry. Thank you, Beth and Kara and Elizabeth. Thank you for sharing from right here about this precious, precious man. It brings to mind a story uh, that Jesus once told about uh, a man who went away uh, from his estate and gave to three of his servants shares of his property. He gave to one servant five shares of his property, gave to another servant two shares of his property, gave to another servant one share of his property, and left, and after a long time came back, and while the master was away, the servant with the five shares of his property was able to turn those five shares into 10 shares, and the servant that had two shares of his property was able to turn those two shares into four shares, and the the final servant who had just one share of the property decided to take the share and bury it in the ground and not get any return. And the master, when he returned to find out about all this, was so grateful for the five-talent servant who had turned the five talents into the ten talents. And, and the two-talent servant had turned, who turned the two talents into four talents and was very disappointed in the one servant who had not done anything with his talent. I think of uh, that story because I think Charlie was, I think he was like a 25 talent <laughs> servant. Um, in, in this respect, uh, Charlie was multi-talented, right? And we've uh, perhaps had the chance to think about all the different ways by which he was able to use his talents, certainly as a successful businessman, as a, a salesman, as a CEO, as the president of a company. Um, he gave his talents over to his country by serving his country in the army in the Korean War. Uh, he wasn't afraid to work hard and, you know, spend a little elbow grease doing the things that needed to be done in order to get done what needed to be done. And um, as Elizabeth was saying, perhaps didn't have time to eat dinner. Um, <laughs> and wished he could just pop a pill and move on to the next thing. But not just, you know, there's so many people that are only driven by their work and their business, but Charlie was driven by other great gifts and talents, his love of singing, his uh, enjoyment of the harmonica and the ukulele and the guitar, his uh, efforts to paint and his uh, enjoyment of that and the many paintings that he created, uh, his love of his family, his five daughters, and his beloved wife, Shirley, 
he was able to share so much of himself in their lives. So here's a man who was able to take pretty much every ounce of what God had given him, and he found a way to use it. He found a way to put it into service. He found a way to express it in such a way that it was a blessing to other people, to you and I. And that's why today, we, even though a year later, we still feel this big space that Charlie has left behind because he truly has put his imprint in so many different ways upon so many different people, upon the life of this church. I speak for our staff to say that he was one of our favorites who sat up at the front office and greeted everybody that came in and always would give me a hard time that I wasn't working hard enough. Um, but it was uh, one who was just very glad to be involved and was very glad to be able to use his gifts in the way that he could uh, be of service to others. For Charlie had a great love for humanity and was always eager to touch the lives of so many that came his way. At the end of that story that Jesus told, the master uh, tells those two servants who have used their gifts in such great ways uh, to, uh, well done, he says, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. And that's what we get to celebrate today, that great voice of God saying to our dear friend, our brother in Christ, our father, our friend, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. And our dear friend has entered into the joy of the master. And as it says in the Revelation, those that are in heaven are about the service of God. And Charlie would never be happy just sitting idle. He would be happy to be put into service in his uh, life with God as he awaits our reunion with him. Praise God from whom and to whom all blessings flow. Let us pray. O God, our Father, from whom we come and unto whom we return and in whom we live and move and have our being, we praise you for your good gift of life, for its wonder and mystery, its friendships and fellowships. We give thanks for the ties that bind us to each other and for your loving and patient dealings with us and for the meaning that lies hidden in the heart of sorrow and for your guiding hand along the way of our pilgrimage. We give thanks for this, your child, Charlie, recalling all in him who made us love him. We are grateful for the good and gracious influences in his home and for all who ministered to his best life. And we thank you for the goodness and truth that have passed from his life into the lives of others and have made the world richer for his presence. We bless your name for the revelation of yourself and of your love in our Lord Jesus Christ and for the hope set before us in the gospel. And we thank you that deep in the human heart is an unquenchable trust, that life does not end with death, that the Father who made us will care for us even beyond the bounds of vision, even as he cares for us here on this earth. And we praise your name for the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the source of our hope, not only today, but in all days. And we pray for the comfort of your presence and the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Renew within us the gifts of faith, patience, and enduring love. And as we step out upon the world, may we sense that though we've lost one whom we've loved, we've not lost you, and that as you have received this, your child, so too will you receive us. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore, world without end and life without end. Amen. <laughs>